family and friends. Of course, I go by the name of the kid, famous. You and now tuned into the Tim and Friends show. Hello, education, entertainment, coast to coast, ball it up, call it entertainment. Let's get this started. Uncle Tim, let's start this show in five, four, three, two, one. Let's go. This is 90 Minutes of Tim and Friends with the Tim part back in the saddle. Just want to thank Jesse Rubinoff and the rest of the folks who had my back. Ailish Farfar, Donovan Bennett. Well, I celebrated my wife's birthday, spent some quality March break time with the kids. So I want to just say it. Thank you, Jesse. I appreciate it, buddy. Oh, well, of course. You're, uh, you're welcome. And I uh, missed you. You have some good time away? Did you did you really miss me? Or like you got you sat over here, you hosted the show. No, Those I, are no, big time moves over here. No, I did. I'm not just saying that for uh, I don't even know. Poops and giggles for effect. No, no, I, I, I miss you. Uh, it's nice to have you back. We got a lot to uh, talk about today. Oh my God! Did you know? By March the way, before happening. we get to all yeah. this, yeah, March is happening. Yeah. This might be my most annoying week of the year. And let me qualify uh, that. Anything to do with me? The guy from finance who runs into the room and goes, I got Furman! Furman! <laughs> the guy from finance. Furman! <laughs> yeah, you know what's amazing? Uh, I was upstairs watching it with uh, Kipper and Bourne were there, yeah. um, Sam McKee. And everyone's like, yeah, we're not really you know, not really feeling it as much this year. Mm-hmm. And then Furman happens. And everyone's and in. just like that. Everyone's, everyone's back in. in. Okay, more annoying. I got Furman, <laughs> the person who rips up their bracket like 10 minutes into the game. Yeah. Or these are like amateur expert days. March Madness, the poser expert in March Madness versus the poser expert on St. Patrick's Day. Oh, no. Which one is more annoying? The one that runs in, I got Furman! Yeah. Or, hey, happy St. Patty's Day. I am 3.25% Irish. No, I think it's the Furman. I think it's the Furman, <laughs> is the it? Furman oh, person. Yeah? yeah, it's the Furman person. Yeah. No question about right. it. Um, I, are you gonna... One player on the team before the game starts, not a chance. Yeah. After the game starts, expert on Furman. Stephen A. Smith is tweeting out, like, I, I took Furman. Like, congratulations. Nobody even knew. Yeah, nobody has any idea where Furman <laughs> is. Like, you're not a genius because you took Furman. You're just trying to be different. Uh, That's fine. With that way, you might have been betting, betting against Virginia. I'll listen to yes. that argument. I will listen to that well, argument. But yeah. that's usually just the argument, is yes, it not? No question. Okay, so established amateur March Madness guy girl, worse than amateur St. Patty's yeah. Day guy the, girl. I, both yes. really annoying to Uncle Timmy. I think the St. Patrick Day, it's just trying to have a good time. That's all you're just just want to have fun. That the the Furman is I told you so. That St. Patrick's Day is uh, let's just all have fun together. Wear some glasses, <laughs> wear some green. I'm very concerned. I don't think I'm going to be repeating last year of wearing my glasses and my green outfit. Oh, yeah, you didn't take too that. kindly to that I one, forgot so. about that. All right, uh, <laughs> nine minute quick. Now I know why you took that angle, though. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know exactly yeah. why you took that angle. Caught me. Uh, quick hitter, 90 minutes of madness as we take you to Hockey Central. Leafs, abs last night. The other six Canadian teams on the ice tonight as well. Is the Q going to effectively ban? fighting in their league man that's a hot button bat what are you doing just like that just like that i'm gonna be honest with you i can't see anything right now i took my glasses off i have no idea if i'm on camera i have no clue i, I honestly oh, can't see oh, you're on camera yeah i can't see where anything. did you find those uh sevi handed them to me <laughs> it's just team player 
team player. I'm going to take them out. Can I talk to like Canada without being distracted yeah, no, by this, this nonsense over here? Like, tomorrow. Save it for on. tomorrow. I will. All right, that's all coming <laughs> up. Uh, Raptors Thunder. Also, Sportsnet 1 or Sportsnet and 1, as Faisal Kamisa taught me. Oh, Count it in the foul. Uh, Shea Gilgis-Alexander and his Thunder in Toronto amazingly sporting a better record than the Raptors. We'll explain what that means to Toronto. And Michael Graydon stops by to tell us this might be the best we have ever seen from a Canadian basketball player. Now, before you flip out, Steve Nash himself has weighed in on this, and you don't want to miss that a little later on. That's not all. What are the Mets do to the baseball gods to deserve while being the Mets. Edwin Diaz, torn patella tendon in the celebration yesterday. He is done for, I guess, eight months, probably the year. That's what we're talking about here. It's awful. Does that mean the World Baseball Classic is a bust and should never happen? We'll examine him first things first. So much to get to, but this bad boy should be about as good as as my workout. You? I was wearing a wig yeah. that day, but don't worry. Yeah, yeah, and a push-up. <laughs> wow, that's actually kind of smooth. That's that's kind of smooth. I gotta be honest. Oh, Did man. you think he was going to work out, or that's just all planned? Because that thing is amazing no, from start to finish. No, you could tell by the camera that that wasn't planned. And the that way and the way that he smooth. reacted after. Yeah. And yeah. Let me do the sit-up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> The right into a put <laughs> the stretching uh, with the arms is up. <laughs> that guy's got Furman for sure. Oh, no doubt. No doubt. Oh, too good. All right. Uh, without further ado, let's kick off the festivities with Ruby, Biggie, and what everyone is talking about. And first things first, so let's make it our own Bartolo Cologne. Oh, the stretching of the <laughs> arms immediately. Uh, it was all one move. Did that guy look like Bartolo? A little bit. Yeah, I, little just, bit. I, th- I thought maybe I'd get you on that yeah. one. <laughs> uh, the, just four games in the NHL last night uh, with all eyes on the matchup in Toronto between the Avalanche and the Maple Leafs. It was a tight checking hockey game with few chances on either side of the ice. Goals from Morgan Riley and Miko Ranton and had the game tied 1-1 heading into overtime. Again, not too many chances there. We need a shootout where the Leafs couldn't put one past Alexander Georgiev. Colorado winning 2-1 in a shootout. Is that the kind of hockey the Leafs will have to play and learn to win in in the playoffs? <laughs> yep, but how could you tell that was a focus? Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. Like, that that was obviously the focus of the Toronto Maple Leafs heading into that game. I think it was a season low in shots mm-hmm. four for the Toronto Maple Leafs. Like, there was not a lot of room to maneuver. And something tells me that maybe uh, Sheldon Keefe suggested to the team that this might be a great way to see if you're ready for the Tampa Bay Lightning. No? Yeah, uh, no question about it. It's a, I feel like that is what they are trying to do and trying to key on with all these games left, but you know exactly where you're going to be in the postseason. You can experiment, which is what they've been doing with the 11 and the 7. Yeah, we've talked about that since basically we knew they were playing Tampa. Like, this is experiment time. Uh, And I did bring up uh, the other day just, like, is there a point where there's too much experimentation because you're you're sort of trying to figure out what you're going to do in situations that may or may not happen. Like, maybe at some point you just sort of stick to a roster and, and go for it, but it certainly seems like the defense and the structure is what they're they're trying to key on. You know, it's funny though. that you say that because 
I have the same feeling about the goaltending, and I know over the last couple of days while I've been out, yeah. you guys have had the conversation <laughs> about whether or not the Leafs know who their goaltender is going to be. And for me, like that's the ultimate experimentation here. Yeah, I've been pushing the the Matt Murray because of his experience in the postseason. Like maybe that is the whole reason why the Toronto Maple Leafs brought him to Toronto in the first place. Is you get him going in time for the postseason. He has the track record. That's what you want, right? But at this point in time, it's it's not even a contest. It's just a matter of how many more chances Matt Murray's going to get to change the narrative. Well, but it'll be a bunch, right? I, I would think so because of what Sheldon Keefe said a couple games ago, that Matt Murray's been playing great despite the fact that he's allowing four goals a game. They want to give him another shot, clearly. Samsonov's been the better goalie, but the whole reason why you brought in the 1A and 1B is yeah. to ride the hot horse when you get to the stretch run. Mm-hmm. And... I know and I hear and I listen and I will I will probably agree with the idea that Samsonov's been the better goalie, but that won't matter until basically a week left in the regular season. Like yeah. is this too early to have that conversation in my mind? Yeah. Like all these experimentations that you're seeing from the Toronto Maple Leafs are all to see what is the best that they can put out against the Tampa Bay Lightning in round one. And I guarantee you that if Matt Murray plays well down the stretch, it'll be Matt Murray, even if Samsonov has the better numbers. Yeah, I, I just wonder. And if like, Samsonov plays better, then you play Samsonov. That's all it is. Like, don't overthink this Leafs fans because you're trying to have a conversation about the Leafs. Yeah. I, tell me if you, if you agree with this. Like, I just think the way Samsonov has played all year long, like, there hasn't really been a drop-off at any point all season long. Like, he's had... This month isn't really a fair sample size yet, but he's had a 9.13 save percentage or higher every single month all season long. So for it to go south here would be a pretty big surprise just based on how consistent he's been able to be for the Maple Leafs. And you wonder, like, had he not been able to perform to this level, where would the Maple Leafs be? Because they haven't clearly been able to rely on Matt Murray to stay healthy or give them... Uh, goaltending that they were probably expecting. But they're still 12-7-2 with Matt Murray in that. Like, that's not like, yeah. it's nothing to sneeze at. They've also played Joseph Wall, and they've also had to play Eric Schalgren, and they've mm-hmm. won games with both those guys being in that as well. So, like, the wins above replacement, like all the, I tend to agree with you, Samsonov's played better. What I'm telling you is, don't worry about it until there's about two yet. weeks left in the yeah. season. Then you can start having that conversation, because this is all, all of it. And the same, listen, our Twitter account, I know I was off yesterday, but our Twitter account blew up when we played the Gary Bettman not admitting to anything that he says is wrong with the one versus eight thing that I've been preaching for about, I don't know, like four years here. And everyone was yelling and screaming at him, right? Like, everyone. Everyone. Literally. Yeah. Everyone was yelling and screaming at him because in actuality, you could have team three and team four in the entire league. You could have team three playing team two in the first round, one versus 16 in the postseason. Mm-hmm. And I'm going all of this way to say when the Leafs are in a spot where they're probably playing Tampa, and that's been the case for a long time, you just let them fool around here. Yeah. Because that's what they're going to do, and you let them try and figure out who their best option is, and I don't think they've done that with the goalies yet, though I would agree with you, Samsonov has the nod now. Murray can still win it back. Yeah, That's what it, I'm trying to say. It could end up being a, a net benefit for the Leafs that they've had all this time to experiment. So if you get in a situation where you need something... You've tried it. You've tried a plan, and it works. Um, Did you say net benefit on purpose? Net. There you go. No, it wasn't on purpose. No, it wasn't at all on purpose. 
Uh, we were talking. <laughs> we were talking about the the goaltending situation. Obviously, I want to get your opinion on what was uh, more frustrating last night. Was it the linesman breaking up a potential goalie fight last night uh, between Mark Andre Fleury and Jordan Binnington, or was it Genny Kuznetsov's uh, penalty shot? Last night. I, I thought it was Kuznetsov's penalty shot, but this Bennington, I don't know if you know, he, he's been suspended. This just came down like about an hour ago. He's been suspended two games. Jordan Bennington has for this blocker to the face of Ryan Hartman. I mean, that's, that is a legitimate, like, if I am the goalie, you were a goalie. Mm -hmm. If you're a goalie on the other team, you're coming down after that, aren't you? You have to. <laughs> I'm a little guy. I'm not, I'm not that tall. I'm not six feet tall. I'm just saying. I'm like five. I'm like five ten. Depends who's on the other side. But yeah, probably be a, be a good teammate. You'd be a good teammate after after what happened. Yes. Did you uh, Did you know that Flurry was mic'd up for that game? Yeah. We yeah. have the audio of Mark Andre Flurry charging <laughs> down to Bennington. It's kind of sort of fun. Here it is. Hey, hey, let's go, let's go, let's go. He's lobbying. I don't like having my hair like this, you know. He's gone, he's gone. <laughs> it's so good. Uh, so do you have an answer? Was it Kuznetsov's I, I, I thought it was Kuz shootout. I thought it was Kuznetsov, but there was way more news around the Bennington yeah. <laughs> and the Marc Andre Fleury, and so I figured I would go there to answer some of the other questions. One, that he's been suspended for two games. And two, they should have let him go. But this was infuriating. <laughs> and like you should have to skate. I know it's just moving forward. I know that's the rule, uh, but that's worth changing after watching that. Yeah, that's that is infuriating. <laughs> but I do I do have to say I do have to say the Bennington flurry. Like Braden Shen said after the game, that that's something that the league should want because people would tune in to see that. Like goalie fights historically have been like. Does anything else? Oh, immediate, get? immediate tweet. Yeah. Yeah, immediate tweet. Goalie fight is like you put an alert, you throw it out, and people love it. Love it. Which leads us to our next conversation, nice. Jesse, because I too have in the past uh, enjoyed a Donnie Brook or two, mm -hmm. a little brouhaha, as it were. But this may be on the front burner of the sports world, yes. maybe the hockey world's conversation over the next little while. Very nice uh, segue. This is a story that dropped yesterday from the Hockey News. The QMJHL planning to ban fighting in their league for next season and will be holding a general assembly on June the 9th in Sherbrooke, Quebec, where they will announce the fighting ban. A delay is to ensure everything is in place before implementing the ban as they will have to coordinate the rule with the Quebec Minister of Sport and will also have to figure out consequences if a fight does occur. Lots to digest and a big change in the sport, clearly, the junior level at least. What are your initial thoughts? Okay, we'll get to the specifics of it in a flash, like what they're thinking of doing, what they might end up doing, and if it's actually a ban or just a harsher punishment mm -hmm. for fighting moving forward in the queue. And listen, it's separate from the rest of the CHL because the OHL and the WHL all have different rules right now as it stands 
for fighting. Now, I know this is where folks want a hot take. Like, ludicrous, wrap them up in bubble wrap. Or, finally, this toxic environment has got to get with the times. I'm neither. I am neither of those two. I will try and think this one out. Like, I, I really think this could be an important testing ground for hockey as a whole. And before you get all up in your masculinity, understand it's Enrico Ciccone. He of 324 pims in 61 games in one year with Shawinigan. 258 pims in 55 in a season with the Tampa Bay Lightning in the show. He had almost 1,500 penalty minutes over 374 games in the NHL. Enrico Ciccone is now in politics, and that guy has been the champion of this idea for years, making the bold suggestion that 17, 18, 19-year-old kids don't need to get unnecessary brain damage for your enjoyment. Now, growing up, my favorite players were Wendell Clark and Bob Probert. Tells you what I thought as a kid, what I grew up playing, and maybe how I played the game, if you talk to a few of my friends. <laughs> Tough guy. And I've always thought that taking the fighting out of the game makes the game more dangerous. If they do this, what we really need is to use it as an opportunity to finally prove if the game would be more dangerous without fighting or not. Like... I know some don't get this, but as a starting point, you have to understand that the game of hockey is a sport where regular plays, Jesse, back me up on this, can yeah. be more dangerous than the actual fighting. Oh, no question. Right? No question. Like, do things like hitting from behind, charging, stick infractions go up if they impose this ban? That's the question. Does skill flourish? Or does it get snuffed out because guys that are willing to do anything to win will target the stars without the fear of having to drop the gloves? Like, that's the way I see it in the NHL. Guys targeting stars, and that's where the idea of fighting and enforces came from, to protect the stars and let them play their game without the fear of being punched in the face or butt-ended or high-sticked. Mm -hmm. Or Maurice Richard having to lift his stick to defend himself, even though he's the best player in the game. But Junior is a little bit different because, first off, you can't make a million dollars a year taking out the Stars. If you offered me a million dollars a year to take out the Stars in the National Hockey League, I might do it. If it's a trip to Shawinigan and maybe some meal tickets, I probably won't do it. And in most societies, I understand that protecting the younger among us is important. But I'm at a crossroads, and I have been for a while. I don't know the answer. Can we have this without yelling and screaming? Like, could this actually help us get to a result where more people are happy than what I'm seeing on Twitter right now? Yeah, there are a lot of unhappy people. Uh, important to point out that they don't really fight in the QMJHL anyway, right? Because they made the adjustment where it's five for fighting and you get a misconduct Anyways, so it has taken the statistics and the number of fights that happened in the QMJHL way down. Ten years ago, there was 0.78 fights for game. Almost a fight a game. Yeah. 0.78. Now it's down to 0.07 fights a game. Because it's not worth it. In the Q. Because it's not worth it. And what they're talking about, what the, what the sport minister, Isabel Charest, who 
was an Olympian short track speed skater uh, and a world champion, is suggesting is you get thrown out of the game and you're suspended for one more if you fight. Right now, um, they have the three fights. Mm. I think the yeah, OHL yeah, yeah. has the three fights yeah. as well. And the WHL just says you can't take your helmet off. Yeah. It's, I would just wonder, because if you get to the NHL now, and there's, this is the first shoe to drop, and then if the other junior leagues happen to go down this road as well, you're going to have a National Hockey League eventually where nobody has fought in junior at any point, really. And that is the best way, obviously, to remove fighting from the National Hockey League without an outright ban in that league as well. But you know that happens in junior right now. The kids don't fight. Then they go to junior, and you could be an 18-year-old yep. fighting a 21-year-old. Yep. And I, like I've seen it, I go to it's OHL a very good games. argument for banning it. Yeah, yeah. and, and I've seen good. kids who think that they've got to do it, mm -hmm. do it, and get their ass kicked. Yeah, like I, I and I've seen it. I've seen it happen very badly mm -hmm. as well at junior games. So that already happens, except it happens with our kids instead of our Teenagers. adults. In the National Hockey League. Yeah. Why don't I get to a couple uh, responses to our question? We just asked, are you cool seeing We're this part of the game move from, I'm sorry. from junior hockey? This no, is no, just, no. I know this is a passionate one with a lot of, of people. Of course. And I'd rather have the com conversation because I think it's a good one. For sure. Chris says, uh, only if you like the competency levels of officiating and enjoy seeing star players get hurt with no repercussions, which is pretty much bang on what you just said. Uh, John uh, all these sports going soft, major setback for the QMJHL. Yeah, we, I, I knew we'd get a lot uh, suggesting that. And just just remember, Johnny, like I don't know, a lot of people do the like masculine tough guy thing. Like mm -hmm. Enrico Ciccone is the guy, like say it to him. <laughs> yeah. Do you know very, what I mean? It's like, a very good Say point. you're going soft to him. Mm hmm I do have to say, though, the, the, with Brendan's tweet here, I know it's bad, but fighting makes hockey way more fun and engaging. Like that, that will always be... I think for me, yeah. you see it. You see it. When, when there's fights and you saw it last night with Bennington and Flurry not, yeah. not getting the chance to yeah. do and, it. And honestly, sometimes I feel guilty for enjoying a fight or two every once in a while in a hockey for game. Sure. I do. Uh, and, says, and we all do because we know when a guy gets knocked, like when Nick Kiprios got knocked out you don't see and that. hit the ice. No. No, but like honestly, you know the guy now. You're chuckling. You're smiling because you know that that's ridiculous, yes. right? Yes. But that can happen to children. Mm -hmm. No doubt. Uh, Deb says, I hate the fighting, but I completely understand that in a very emotional game it happens. Right. I don't think I agree with the total ban. Uh, this Nowhere seems... to hide in hockey, too, no. right? Like, no. you can't just run out of bounds. This seems long overdue. <laughs> it's unbelievable that we let teenagers bare knuckle on the ice. Yeah. Now it's time for NHL to implement the same rule, game misconduct, plus several games suspension. So I, I think one of the, the more interesting things here is that there's, there's been a bit of a sea change here where I think five, ten years ago, it would have been a lot more people upset about the the chance of fighting being banned, but now Hold on. people well, what's are. The, what's the what's the percentage here? It's like 80, 20 people being upset. But ten, even ten years ago, would you even had twenty percent? Yeah, maybe. Probably not. Can we can we continue this conversation? Because yes. I know there's a lot more to get to. Adnan Burke, Sarah Nurse, all coming up, and I feel like we're going to rob really them of their time.
having this one, but I think that we can have it like over a couple of days and make it like a real conversation. Perfect. So if you if you want to counter anything that I've said or anything that you've read, at Tim and Friends, honestly, like we're here for the conversation. That's the fun of sports. Mm -hmm. We don't have to yell and scream at each other, though I do know you enjoy doing that. <laughs> yeah, there are there are varied opinions. Like there are there is room for nuance. Right. All right. So we'll have plenty more on uh, the NBA and NHL throughout the show. But let's turn our attention now to the World Baseball Classic, where pool play is concluded and we are into the quarterfinals. It was Cuba defeating Australia yesterday in the mm. first quarterfinal, so they're going to Miami, which is unbelievable. Today it was Shohei Otani and Team Japan up against Italy. Amazing. And this one had some drama. Otani making his second start at the World Baseball Classic. Top two, Otani strikes out Vito Frischia to end the inning. Top, excuse me, bottom of the third, Japan leading one nothing. Two on Kazumo Okamoto gets a hold of one and goes deep. That is a three-run bomb. He finished the game with five RBIs. Japan on its way, leading four nothing. Plenty of offense for Otani. Yeah, your MVP goes four and two-thirds, gave up two runs, struck out five. I don't know if you saw this. He hit 102 on the radar gun. Japan advances to the semifinals, 9-3. The finals. So Cuba and Japan are through to the semifinals. Japan will face the winner of tomorrow's quarterfinal between Puerto Rico, Puerto Rico. and Mexico. Well, Cuba awaits the winner between Saturday's game, United States and Venezuela. And clearly we've had some uh, great moments already in the World Baseball Classic and some bad ones if you're a New York Mets fan. To say the least, uh, Timmy, are you in or are you out on the World Baseball Classic? I didn't think I would be in on the World Baseball Classic, and they've lured me in. Like that game, Canada against uh, um, Colombia. I was going to say Venezuela, but Canada against Colombia. Uh, I was in, like lock stock. I was on vacation, and I was sitting there cheering on the late going and exploding out of my seat when Otto Lopez gave the insurance runs. And I was in on Mexico and Canada, knowing that it was probably not going to happen, but yet still hoping yeah. for this underdog, sparky Canadian team yeah, to get through. Like, I, I, I really don't know how you can watch Japan play and not get enthralled by it, or the DR and the PR. Like, that game was unbelievable. 62 million people watch Japan and South Korea. Yeah. Like, it, it, in the scenes are, are, like, clearly the players love it, and clearly the fans love it as well. I, um, I mean, it depends where you're at. Like, in Arizona, like, did you see Keith Oberman's tweet? Yeah. Okay, so Adnan Verk's coming up, and I'm taking into Adnan Verk's time, but I want to lay this groundwork because Verk once hosted Oberman's show on ESPN, and when Edwin Diaz went down, Oberman tweeted the following, and if we can get the tweet up here because I don't remember it word for word, guys. Um, this WBC is a meaningless exhibition series designed to get you to buy another uniform to hell with the real season and split up teammates based on where their grandmother got laid. Like, I don't know. Really Call it off tweet. now. Is he joking? Like, I respect his work no, too much to think that that's real. It's just a really bad take. You think so? Yeah, disrespectful. Just a really, really bad take. Like, there's no way. We're going to ask Virk. Yeah. We'll see if, if more people. It feels like a United States spoiled take where you get the world's best baseball on your soil every day. 
in the summer and you forget about what it means for other countries that don't have these made-up hometowns or lose their players to those other cities in your country or in our country. Yeah, there's a lot of players that would rather win a World Baseball Classic than win a World Series. The fact that they even call it a World Series. Like, I know they're the best in the world, Mm -hmm. but it's kind of arrogant. Yes. All right. We're going to talk about that with Adnan Burke. Still to come. Words by Grange on Shea Gilgis Alexander. Sarah Nurse from the Hockey Central studio ahead of a busy night in the National Hockey League. But as mentioned, Adnan Burke next. Tim and friends, holy crap, I came back and we're already late. Welcome back, buddy. Based on those faces. Oh no. Got it through, they score! He fouled Hartman! And the Blues, Bennington coming after him! Oh, come all the way down to drop oh, the gloves, but the linesman has a hold of Bennington! Oh, let him go! Holy jumping! Bennington wants this crowd going. Where's Rick Flair? Welcome back, friends. Two more quarterfinals on the way at the World Baseball Classic. Tomorrow night, it's Mexico facing Puerto Rico, 7 Eastern on Sportsnet. Then Saturday night, it's the United States against Venezuela on Sportsnet. One should be a great weekend of action at the World Baseball Classic. And to discuss it further, old friend, uh, dare I say, baseball savant, a guy who enjoys the game a hell of a lot. Adnan Verk, MLB Network, joins me now. What's going on, Adnan? How are you? Timmy, I'm always here for the introductions. That's about as kind as it gets and very gracious of you, baseball savant. I'm not exactly old Haas Radborn, but I feel like whenever I see you, I feel like I should do story time with Tim because people may not realize how far we go back to our years the score. I was there 03 to 09. You were there longer than me. But one of my favorite stories, because right now we're talking about the World Baseball Classic mm-hmm. international theme mm-hmm. to this day, I still think I think might be your best catchphrase ever. All Swedish, no finish. To this day, I think it's brilliant. <laughs> I appreciate that a lot. I haven't called that one out in a long time, but I appreciate that one a lot. So so I mentioned that you hosted the Oberman Show. And listen, yeah. we're not going that far deep on the World Baseball Classic, but as, as a general idea, are you down with the World Baseball Classic? Because it seems like there is a little bit of a give and take here between those who love it and those who... Yeah, exactly. You know how much I adore KO. He's my favorite broadcaster, one of my favorite humans, and it was such a dream to fill in for him 25 times on the show. And we've texted about it. He he tells me he's a patron. He thinks it's it's worthless. (laughs) Exactly. He tweets about it. He he doesn't need to text me. He'll tweet you and let you know. But I said, I think all along, Timmy, I was so excited about it, especially obviously for Canada. We know how much we rally around our country when there's a big moment. I said, Canada, USA, I'm locked in. And then by the second inning, unfortunately for Mitch White, I was locked out because the USA bludgeoned us. But then I, I was watching Canada-Mexico yesterday, hung in until the sixth, and unfortunately they took over. Here's the thing. If you're a baseball fan, you're waiting for this moment to get games that actually matter. We have our long, cold, hard winter of discontent, and then we get to spring training. Pitchers and catchers means guys are just stretching, doing calisthenics. 
these games actually matter. Like, you're watching these games and go, wow, these guys are into it. And especially, you know, it's one thing for Canada. As Canadians, we want to support our country. We love seeing Freddie Freeman there and the likes of Bo Naylor. But it's also the fact that these island nations, man, I was locked in for Puerto Rico, Dominican Republic last right. night. I said, this is going to be massive. This means so much to these countries. And for Puerto Rico to win like that, I love Julio Rodriguez, but that terrible error in center. Lindor goes around the bases inside the park. I said, man, it's incredible. But I, to back to KO's point, your overarching point, Here's the downside. The calamitous sense of an injury happening is about as bad as it gets. And Edwin Diaz, who had just signed a five-year extension this last offseason, who still came into Narcos last night, to see that moment, to go from such excitement and adulation, that's one of the great moments in Puerto Rican baseball history, the country that gave us Clemente, the first great Latin superstar, and then to see him forlorn and on the ground like that, his brother crying. It was heartbreaking. Like, that's the absolute worst-case scenario. A guy who's might be the best closer in baseball, and he's done for the season. I, I haven't even texted Buck Showalter. I can't imagine how angry he is right now or what Steve Cohen is saying. I know Steve tweeted and you know wishing Edwin Diaz the best, but now they got David Robertson or Adam Ottavino as their closers. That's not what they wanted. But, you know but, what I mean? And it's it's just a bad break. But you know, growing up in this country, that we can sep we can separate like. Listen, Sidney Crosby goes out and breaks his leg playing for team. Steve Stamkos gets hurt playing for Like, people know the inherent dangers of playing for your country. The World Cup, it happens all of the time, but there's a different feel. Like, I feel like those who are spoiled by Major League Baseball in their market or around their house all the time don't understand what it's like for Japan or Japanese players to play in Japan or God forbid for Cuba to play in Miami or you know that Dominican Republic game Puerto Rico game you're you're locked in because you know what it means to the players to the fans like there's a difference here and I feel like there is some American arrogance to the game and the league that I understand pays the bills but every other sport does this you know, country thing, and people absolutely adore it for a reason, and it's because of the passion that it brings. Yeah, I mean, listen, the World Baseball Classic, no matter what, you can say whether you're a fan of it or not, but there's people who are glued into it, like you said, on a global level. Right. I mean, my friend Steven Nelson is calling the games in Japan, right. and as he said to me, he goes, this means so much to these people because there are only so many Japanese players in Major League Baseball. Right. There are guys in domestic leagues who rake who, by the way, I just have no interest in coming to America or playing in Canada. Like, they just want to be in Japan. They're unbelievable. So, like, right. this is really a showcase, not for the major league players that you and I know. It's more a showcase for the guys you haven't heard of. To your point, to bring it to hockey, it's kind of like the world juniors at that level. Like, oh, I heard this guy's great. He could be a big draft pick. Look at this kid from Russia, et cetera. Right. That's what you feel like watching these games. It's not, you know, you want assessments that you know. It's the other Cuban players go, oh, my God, imagine if this guy was playing rather than Yuan Mankata. So, it's at heart, it is a great showcase for the game. And it means a lot in those countries where baseball is adored, like Japan and the island nations. I think if you take that at face value and say you can't avoid all injuries. Edwin Diaz could have been hurt in a spring training game, right? right? right. Uh, Freddie Freeman could have been hurt in other games. So you, you kind of just have to take it with a grain of salt. Right. I've enjoyed the game so far. I, and the fact that DR lost, it was a hell of a game. Yeah, I, unbelievable <laughs> that DR lost, especially when we were we were showing their, their roster going into the tournament. Just jaw-dropped at how good it was going to be. So speaking of how good it is or it's going to be I'm watching Shohei hit 102 on the radar gun at the Tokyo Dome in Japan and I've seen this bubble I pitched this story as a first things first topic on this show never really gotten to it uh, but I see people starting to talk about it on the interwebs 
is it possible that Shohei Otani is the best player ever? Adnan Ver. <laughs> Timmy, I don't like the traffic and hyperbole. That that seems <laughs> to be to be a stretch. Although I will say this, he might be one of the most exciting players ever. I think you can start to have that conversation right now and go, you know what? He has single-handedly rekindled people's interest in baseball. There were dormant fans who have said, you know what? Game's too slow. I used to love it when I was a kid. And they watch Otani. They go, you know what? I'm back. This guy is must-see TV every single time. And it's one thing to be a two-sport athlete. As you and I know, Bo did it. Dion did it. Mm -hmm. But to do it at this level is just unheard of. Like I, I've never seen a guy, I never thought I'd see a guy who could hit 40 home runs and strike at 150 guys and pitch 200 innings. Like, it's just, it's unheard of. And I just pray he stays healthy. We know he's had, you know, obviously injuries in the past with Tommy John. I just hope he stays healthy. And I hope he leaves the Angels, quite frankly. I mean, I, I don't wish it ill will the team. But let's get him to the Eastern time zone, right? If we're being selfish, I want this guy in the Eastern time zone. Doesn't have to be the Yankees or the Mets or the perennial teams you think of the Red Sox. But I want him where I can watch him at 7.05 because I feel like I don't get enough of an Otani fix because those games are at 10.05 and because his team is generally resigned to irrelevance by Memorial Day. Okay, so I don't like the traffic and hyperbole either. However, give me a – so, like, where does he rank as a pitcher? Is he a top 10 starting pitcher in Major League Baseball? Yeah, to your point, John Heyman made this point to me yeah. as far as money's concerned. He said, as a pitcher, he's Garrett Cole. I go – Okay. He goes, is he not a top five, top 10 pitcher? I'm like, yeah, he's Garrett Cole. Strikes out a ton of guys, pitches a lot of innings, like absolute closer. I'm like, yeah. He goes, and now as a hitter, who is he? And I said, <laughs> well, it, it could be Machado. He goes, exactly. So Machado gets $35 million. <laughs> Cole gets $35 million. He should get $65 million a year. Like, why, why shouldn't that be the case? That's and exactly said, no, where I'm can. going with it. Like, he's top 10 hitter, top 10 pitcher. Now, I, I get what you did there, and I love it. You called him a two-sport star. Like that, right. I, I know I what did. you're doing there. You're separating the yeah. two and you're saying, well, he's really good at this. He's really good at that. That doesn't make him the best. You don't add right. the two together and come up with the best. But people are doing that. Yeah, that's yeah. exactly yeah. what they're doing. They're yeah. saying, well, you're right. If he's top 10 this, top 10 this, the aggregate must be this. Like, <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. I, I, I don't think it totally works out that way. But I'll say this. What I hope more than anything, I want Otani on an East Coast time zone, and I really want him to win a Cy Young. Because I just think that'd be amazing to go, this guy won an MVP and then also won a Cy Young in his career. I think I think it could happen, by the way, and it'd be just an incredible achievement. I, I would love to – we don't have the time here, but – one day can we figure out the math problem like x plus x equals like where is it with otani like what does the top 10 hitter plus the top 10 pitcher equal when it comes to the greatest players of all time because i don't know how much hyperbole it actually is because i've never seen it done before i wasn't alive for babe ruth yeah that's the problem and the thing is this Babe Ruth, as you know, he wasn't doing it simultaneously. Yeah. He was a pitcher, then he became a hitter. He wasn't doing what is. He wasn't pitching and hitting at the same time. That's always the, the thing that people yeah. seem to forget, that little nuance. I'm like, no one's ever done this. Not right. even Babe Ruth simultaneously. Yeah. So we'll, we'll get our uh, analytics teams on it and try to get that equation. <laughs> X plus X equals blank. I don't know. But uh, Adnan Verk's smarter than me, and he would be able to figure it out. Thanks for doing this. Always great talking whatever sport with you, my friend. Always great seeing you, Timmy. We'll talk soon. All right, there's Adnan Verk. Uh, I was going to say World Baseball Classic, but he works for the MLB Network and covers the World Baseball Classic. He likes baseball. You, you can see the World Baseball Classic yeah. on sports. Yes, you can. Yeah. All weekend long. All right, on the other side, Raptors facing the Thunder tonight. Uh, we're going to get a words by Grange on Shea Gilgis-Alexander and his historic season. We'll put it all into context, plus some early highlights. Furman, baby!
Welcome back to Tim and Friends Raptors Thunder coming up on Sportsnet 1 tonight. Both teams currently ninth in their conference, part of the play-in. Pre-game show gets going 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 Pacific. Now, before that, ball fans of note, 6 Eastern, 3 Pacific on that same channel. Sportsnet 1, we've got a show called KG Certified. This episode, KG sits down with Charles Oakley to chat all things basketball. That thing should be fun. I don't mind if you flip over in about 10 minutes' time. Well, maybe I do. What Shea Gilgis-Alexander is doing this season is historic. So much so that it has inspired and warranted the latest words by Grange. Just how good? Michael Grange lets you know. Let's just get this out of the way. There has never been a Canadian basketball player like Shea Gilgis-Alexander. And by that I mean no one has ever been this good this soon. Not Andrew Wiggins, not Jamal Murray, and no, not even Hall of Famer Steve Nash. No Canadian has ever averaged 30 points a game. No Canadian has ever been named an All-Star in just his fifth season. No Canadian has ever earned the league-wide buzz for his game and his style at this stage of his career than the kid from Hamilton who is doing his magic for OKC. It's been really cool playing with Shea. His ability to get to the rim has been cool to see. Shea, like this talent right there. I mean, the moves that he's making is just like, like sharp, veteran-type moves. It's tough to stop. Wait, is Shea really this good? Yes, he is. The only other player to average 31 points a game, five assists, 1.5 steals, and one block, other than Shea, Michael Jeffrey Jordan. Yeah, that guy. But SGA has been on it for a while. He started 73 games for a playoff team as a rookie, averaged double figures in the postseason against Steph Curry, Kevin Durant, and the rest of the Golden State Warriors. In year two, he might have been the second best player on a Thunder team that no one had picked to make the playoffs. A couple of years later, an SGA was putting up 25-5-5 in OKC, but no one was paying attention because the rebuilding Thunder were stacking up more draft picks than wins. But this was coming. You could see it last summer when Shea was dominating for Team Canada, allowing fans of the red and white to dream in gold. But now, SGA is here. Shea gets it, spins away, baseline shot. Shea puts it in and walks it off in OKC. An NBA superstar from the land of ice and snow, from the city of steel, and no Canadian has ever been so good so soon. That's a fact. And the way Shea Gilgis-Alexander is going, no one might be this good ever. All right, so I, I know what you're saying right now. Steve Nash won two MVPs, and I, and I get it, but I want to present to you, Jesse Rubinoff, that this season, these numbers, and I know it didn't affect the way Steve Nash affected winning. Like, when Steve Nash won his first MVP, people forget that the Suns under Mike D'Antoni went from 29 wins the year before to 62 wins. Yeah, seven seconds or less. I remember that. Right. And and they changed the way the game was being played, and Steve Nash was the leader of that group, and he put up unbelievable numbers. 
All of Shea Gilgis Alexander's counting stats, save for assists per game, are better than Steve Nash's in that year. He's going to set the record for most points per game by a Canadian. The advanced numbers like player efficiency per like his, his numbers his per numbers are already better than any single season that Nash registered and some believe that the third season that Nash put up was better than the two MVP mm -hmm. seasons but writers just didn't want to give him three in a row kind of like Jokic. And, and yeah. Pe yeah people still <laughs> rip the two MVP I'm not one of those guys yeah but when they when the OKC Thunder lost Chet Holmgren People thought they were going to be lottery bound again, and they're, they're ahead of the Los Angeles Lakers. Like, I know he can't win MVP, but he should be in the conversation given what he's done and the numbers that he's putting up. It's extremely hard to argue, and just the evolution of him when you watch him play is something that jumps out at me. Like, he is now morphed into, a, he's like a crafty veteran. And he, he, I watch him, and I feel like shades of, like, Manu Ginobili and DeMar DeRozan and his craftiness and Dwayne Wade. And he's, like, this blend of, like, what's become the crafty, almost perfect basketball player. Yeah. And you didn't think, I don't think anybody really expected that when he first came into the league. He knew he was going to be good, but I'm not sure he th knew he was going to be this good. So his 24-year-old season might be better than Steve Nash's back-to-back -back MVP yeah. seasons. And his win Amazing. shares are the only thing lower. And I can't wait to see where they end up at the end of the year for yeah. Shiggy. And that's saying, like, a lot. In <laughs> fact, Steve Nash himself said a lot. Michael Grange tweeted out his story. Steve Nash responded to Michael Grange's tweet and the story that you just saw. Mm -hmm. And the question... Can he be Steve Nash? Yes, he can. Love Shea's game. Don't you just love athletes that just keep getting better? Like over and over and over, putting the work in, and every yeah. year they just find a way to improve, and, and you're seeing a career year from Shea. Yeah. If that team gets good, he will elevate yeah. to that level. And we'll see when Chet gets healthy. Team's not bad right now. They're better than the Raptors. Remember the conversation, like well, how do you pluck? Shea Gilders Alexander out of Oklahoma City. They, they don't have anything going for them. Let's get him to Toronto. Get him to Canada. Not anymore. No chance. They're anymore. better than the Raptors. Yeah, that, was, that was my big off-season yeah. move. Go get Shea Gilders Alexander. That ship has sailed. Woo. See you later. <laughs> Bad boy's long gone. All right. Uh, listen, we'll get you some. Uh, we'll get you some madness a little bit later Furman. on. But time for a break. When we come back, we'll visit the rinks in Edmonton. Winnipeg, Ottawa, 11 games in the NHL tonight, including six Canadian teams. Sarah Nurse will also join the conversation, and we'll do all that next right here on Tim and Fest. Some big games tonight. Some almost like can't lose games tonight. Not must win, can't lose. I'm the same thing. <laughs> Time for Real Sports Talk with Tim McAuliffe and friends of the show. Thank you very much, Sheepdogs, back here for a final half hour on Tim and Friends. Still to come, Sarah Nurse ahead of 11 games in the NHL, six Canadian teams on the ice, and that's exactly where we start as we turn down the stretch towards the playoffs. Now, the Oilers' stretch run is obviously front and center in that city, but the area is reeling after the loss 
of two of their own this morning. Now, a pair of police officers were killed in the line of duty while investigating a family dispute. And sometimes it's super difficult to find the bridge on things like that that matter in the sports that we cover. But the Oilers, for their part, have said that they will honor the two at tonight's game. And I know that that was important to so many, including our friends and colleagues in northern Alberta, including Gene Principe, who filed our game story, which you will see in a flash. So no good way to do it, but we move on to the ice, where the Oilers have won three of their last four games and host a Stars team that have won six of their last eight, coming off a loss to the Canucks. Who, by the way, have won five in a row. Uh, see, originally Sportsnet West, a lot of the pregame chatter, as always, centering around Connor McDavid. And here is that story that Gene filed earlier today. Gene. Certainly, Tim, the storyline coming into tonight will uh, revolve somewhat, if not a lot, around Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl, the Oilers winger, sometimes centerman in Dreisaitl, joining his teammate and sometimes linemate Connor McDavid in the 100-point club after his efforts a couple of nights ago in a victory against the Ottawa Senators. As for the Oilers' captain, he sits at 129 points. He could surpass the 130-point plateau, depending on what happens tonight against the Stars. It is the kind of season that has caught the attention of his teammates, the fans, opponents, and friends. And you can count Max Domi as an opponent, as a friend who has noticed what McDavid has done, and so has the coach of the Stars. Oh, yeah, I've seen it. <laughs> I think we all have. No, he, he's the best player in the world um, for, for a reason. And um, like you said, obviously a guy that, uh, that I've known for a long time and have a lot of respect for him. And um, it's, it's fun to see as, as a hockey fan, too. I think we're all fans of the game, but tonight uh, won't be a fan of him, that's for sure. He can beat you all kinds of different ways, but you don't want to hand him stuff for free, you know, and uh, and he, he, he uh, he's more than willing to take that and jam it you know where, so <laughs> we're going to try and avoid that. <laughs> Wonderful line uh, from Pete DeBoer of the Stars. Uh, he was clear in stating that it's not just Connor McDavid or Leon Dreisaitl, but the Oilers do have a deep team and they'll be just a little bit deeper tonight as Zach Hyman is expected to return to the lineup in a matchup, Tim, between a team that leads the Central Division and a team that's currently third in the Pacific. Thank you, Gino. Much appreciated. The Flames with a huge game in Vegas as they try and stay in the playoff chase. End of the night, five points back of the Jets, trailing the pesky Preds as well with some games in hand for Nashville. Jacob Markstrom expected to start. He's on a little bit of a hot streak. Mm -hmm. You can see it on Sportsnet 361 and Ontario, 10 Eastern, 8 Mountain Time. For that one, as mentioned, the Jets in the final wild card spot in the West. Tough test for them tonight. Bruins in town. Jets coming off a loss in Carolina, but they had one two of three on a tough road trip. With more, let's go to Sean Reynolds. Sean. Yeah, Tim, what you're describing is what Jets fans have hoped is the turnaround they've been waiting to see for for a while now, since basically the calendar turned to 2023. Won two of their last three games, points in three of their last five. They're looking up, and they seem to be getting the schedule that is helping. They played the Tampa Bay Lightning a couple of games ago. They've been struggling as of late. The Jets were able to take advantage, hoping to do the same thing against these Boston Bruins that have lost three of their last four. Their head coach saying they are suffering 
coming from basically malaise. He thinks this team, once they booked their ticket to the playoffs in ridiculously early fashion, they've somewhat checked out. So they're going to be trying to get things back on board here tonight. And that's going to be tough for the Jets because you were talking about the Flames and you're also talking about the Nashville Predators. There's potential for the Predators to be just two points back of the Winnipeg Jets for that final playoff spot in the West after tonight. And those two teams play on Saturday. So I liked what you said before you went into your break. Wouldn't call this a must-win game, but like it is for me when I get to spend time on this show with you, maybe it's a can't-lose situation. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Live from Winnipeg, Sean Reynolds. Appreciate it, buddy. So Anytime. There so is uh, Sean. Yeah, smooth Sean Reynolds. Uh, in Ottawa, the Sens playoff push. Fading a little quicker than it is in other places after a nightmare road trip where they couldn't keep the puck out of that. Tonight they face the Avs as the tough stretch of opponents continues. Let's go now live to Ottawa. Kyle Bukowski is standing by. And Kyle, does the chatter in Ottawa now focus on ownership as it seems like this playoff run might be a little out of reach? What are we talking about in the nation's capital? Yeah, well, Tim, like, don't tell the fans here that tonight. Expected to be a, a sellout, actually, with the defending Stanley Cup champions in the house. It's also a Marvel superhero night, so they may need a hero to try to get themselves back into the playoff race. Eight points back entering action tonight with just 15 games left on their schedule. But, yeah, superhero, Marvel. Deadpool, Ryan Reynolds, as you mentioned, it's going to continue to be a talking point around here until the sale process is finalized. And really, Sens ownership has been a hot topic so many times over the course of the history, dating back to when they came back into the fold in 1992. This was way before my time, but I learned recently the story of Paul Anka, the well-known performer who once upon a time, like Ryan Reynolds, went publicly, shared his interest in being part of Sen's ownership. Everyone thought it was fantastic. This was during the expansion process in the early 90s, and then some point along the way, it went completely off the rails. There was a lawsuit involved, and it didn't happen, but you certainly get the sense nothing like that is going to be the case with Ryan Reynolds in the fold. You know, we saw Elliot Friedman's notebook up on sportsnet.ca earlier today saying that those around the NHL are learning pretty quickly. This is not Ryan Reynolds, the guy that played Deadpool that's interested in this. This is also Ryan Reynolds, the businessman, and he's got a plan to try to take this organization to new heights if he is, in fact, part of the ownership group once things get settled. I mean, I was here the night in November that he kind of out of nowhere appeared at the game. It was Vancouver against Ottawa, and the reaction around here, it was kind of like that song Teenage Dirtbag. You know, how does she know who I am, and why does she give a damn about me? But in this case, instead of she, it was Ryan Reynolds. So uh, it's, it's amazing to see that this is becoming more and more a reality as we go along here. The big question I have, though, Timmy, is just the LeBreton Flats aspect in all of this, because when this all started, it seemed like a fait accompli. Whoever ends up buying the team, then they'll move from here down to LeBreton. And while I certainly think it'll be part of the plan to move the team to a more central location somewhere down the road here, I'm beginning to hear more and more that it may be a location other than LeBreton Flats. I mean, we had Bill Daly, we heard from him not too long ago saying that that wasn't a deal breaker for the NHL. Gary Bettman echoed his comments at the GM meetings earlier this week down in Florida. That to me is another real interesting thing to watch as, as the sale gets finalized here uh, sometime in the near future. I love how you, uh, you quoted Wheatus as opposed to going to the Paul Anka song to make that reference. I do know this, uh, Marvel Superhero Night is way safer than Deadpool Night because a lot of that could be offside. Uh, we hope that the Senators stay onside and get a couple points in a big game tonight. Thanks for this, Kyle. No worries, Tim. Thanks for having me. There is Kyle Bukoskis here on Tim and Friends.
pretty good reporters there. Hey, oh, was very yeah. Smooth. Was, my mind was spinning. I'm yeah. trying to figure out and stay up. Uh, but I just, the one thing that I will say, that, and I said this to, to Keprios, if you've watched Welcome to Wrexham, you understand that there is a businessman wrapped in the superstar actor that is able to translate whatever relatability that he brings to his characters mm -hmm. to sports as well. And the NHL could use more people like that. Pretty brilliant businessman, too. Yeah. Just his ability to leverage social media and that show. It's just brilliant. Yeah. And, and, and got to get people to buy in mm -hmm. in Welsh fifth division yes. and was able to pull it off. Uh, speaking of pulling things off, listen. Our next guest is a longtime friend of the show, and we've had her on a bunch of times, but we've never had her on fresh off of her debut on TNT. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, please help me welcome Sarah Nurse back to the show. What's going on, big time star? Hello. Stage and screen, how are you? <laughs> Hello, I'm good. How are you guys? Uh, I'm good. Have you, have you met Chuck? Kenny or Shaq yet like TNT <laughs> star what's going on well you know what I walked in and they're doing March Madness over there and so right. there is about a hundred people in that studio <laughs> and I walked in and I was like hi I'm here for hockey <laughs> what's going on <laughs> um, but no I'm happy to be back in the Sportsnet studios feels like home all right so let, let's talk a little hockey then uh, we we're just talking to Kyle Bukowski about what's going on in Ottawa that was a disastrous road trip uh, eight points back now teams to hurdle does it feel like, and listen, I love the fact that they added at the deadline because this isn't a team that's going to go backwards. Their, their, their trajectory is clearly towards the future, and I felt like that was a vote of confidence to this team. But has that road trip taken the wind out of the sails, or do you just got to keep attacking and trying to close as much down as possible? Well, I think what you have to look at from a player perspective, obviously we're heading into playoff time, and I think with this group you look and you know it's a marathon and not a sprint. And this may not be the year that we're, we're making that playoff push if I'm a senator, but I'm looking at our core and I'm looking at our future and what we've been able to acquire at the deadline. And looking into next season, it's going to be such an exciting and dangerous team um, to watch. And so I, I really love what they have going on over there, and I think you kind of can this. You throw out the video, throw out the tape, put your head down, go to work. Understood. We also talked to uh, to Sean in Winnipeg, and the Flames are in a tough spot as they're in Vegas taking on Golden Knights a little later on tonight. Which one's a bigger must-win? Is it the Jets clinging to that playoff spot, or is it the Flames trying to prove their relevancy? I mean, I think the Jets, obviously... Them not making the playoffs this year is going to be huge, and it's not going to be huge in a good way. Um, so I definitely think the Jets are in a better spot than Calgary is. When I look at Calgary, uh, they're not helping themselves out at this point, which is very unfortunate because a couple months back, I would have actually chosen them. I would have favored them over even the Oilers to get into the playoffs because I like their team. I like the way that they played. I thought they played that playoff style of hockey, but the fact that they keep you know, losing these overtime games these close games is extremely frustrating for them for their fan base for the players and so it's definitely been totally tough um, but again as you look down this stretch they need to put their head down and say every single game we need to win uh, it doesn't matter who we're playing it doesn't matter if it's opponent that's you know lesser than us in the standings they just need to put their head down go to work and win they've had some troubles against some teams at the bottom like Arizona and um, Anaheim here in the last little bit but they need to ultimately go into Vegas tonight and 
make a statement do, and win. Do you, like, as a player, do you under, like, I always talk to my kids about having supreme and utter confidence whenever you can. I remember Connor McDavid coming on the show last year and talking about a swoon in the middle of the year where he felt like he had to work on his confidence to stay strong the entire year. And if the world's best player is talking about confidence, is that something that can play into these one-goal games for Calgary? Like, I, I'm the same as you. I look at this team, I see the talent, I see, you know, the goaltending when it's on, and say, why aren't they better? It, could it, even at this level, Sarah, be a matter of just confidence in these one-goal games? I mean, confidence and the mental game are really what separates players at this level. And I look at some of the seasons that players are coming off of last year. Obviously, Huberto, Kadri, Manjapani, he scored 35 goals last year. You know, obviously, um, he's not feeling himself this year. And so when you think of those one-goal games, you're gripping your stick a little tighter because you're feeling like things aren't going in for you. So as a player, it really is getting over that mental hurdle and having that confidence in yourself and honestly faking it until you make it. And that's the hardest thing to do because... Because at the NHL level, the talent and everything is so tight, right? Like, these guys, their talent level is so similar, except if your name's Connor McDavid. Um, but other than that, everything's very similar. You're on the same playing field. And so if you're gripping your stick a little too tight, if you're not feeling your best, that translates on the ice to your play. What are you working on tonight for Hockey Central and beyond? Ooh, I mean, I'm continuing to work on my confidence. Sheesh, I'm talking to you about <laughs> hockey. I usually come on and talk about myself, but here I am talking about the Flames, right? So. <laughs> I love it. Making the transition. Uh, we'll be watching tonight. Uh, have a great show, and uh, appreciate you jumping on Tim and Friends. Of course. Thanks, guys. See you soon. Uh, there is a friend of the show, Sarah Nurse, star of TNT. Uh, when she meets uh, Chuck, mm -hmm. another level, I think. Yeah. yeah. Oh, we're lucky to have her, for sure. Without a doubt. Uh, obviously, a hot-button topic that we were discussing earlier in the show was the QMJHL. Uh, oh, I should have thrown that to Sarah Nurse. Seems like, yeah, there's a ban coming on, on fighting in some regard, and we posed that to the viewers of Tim and Friends, and they are chiming in with their opinions, and there have been many opinions throughout the show and throughout the day. Um, bandwagon. While I may have to turn in my old Northern Ontario guy card, I think this is a decent way to attract more players to the game, provided they call all the other dirty stuff properly. Olympic or Canada Oof. Cup hockey are fine, and you never see fights there. Yeah, the one thing I, I agree with a lot of what uh, old Northern Ontario <laughs> guy <laughs> is yeah. going to, yeah, I love yeah, that line. Nice. But, yeah. but the Olympic and Canada Cup, like those are the best players on planet Earth playing that game, right? No fighters there. No, I know, but they're the best players on planet. Like, that's best on best hockey. Mm -hmm. That is the absolute best players on planet Earth. You don't get that every night in the National Hockey League. You don't get that every night in junior. Mm -hmm. And that's where the entertainment level jumps in. So you don't need it. Right. Right, yeah. I got and you. people maybe might think differently when watching a random WHL yeah. game or OHL game as a Northern Ontario guy. Like a low event game like the Leafs in uh, Avalanche was last night. We were right. talking about first things first. Uh, Chris says, good, these uh, teenagers, they shouldn't be fighting. Uh, fighting adds nothing to the game. Uh, Trevor, no, it still has a very important place in players policing the game. Yeah, so. that's, that's been my argument a lot of the time is that the officials don't properly police this game because plays that are dirty and very dangerous sometimes escape the rule book right mm. you know what i mean by that right yeah yeah like you can do something to a player and it not be illegal 
and everyone on the ice knows that you really attempted to hurt somebody. Mm -hmm. Like, just a little guy circling behind the net, a little shot from behind. He does the speed wobble. If he goes into those boards, it's dangerous as hell. If he doesn't, no penalty. So funny you say that. Um, one of my dad's great gripes about the game of hockey and what it's evolved into is the cross-checking behind the net by the defenseman and behind the net and in the corners. It's like you're allowed to just lay the lumber on someone behind the net, and that's not a penalty, but if you do it maybe in front of the net, right. suddenly it is. Or if a guy loses an edge, yeah. after you do it, goes flying into the boards, then it's a penalty. If he keeps his edge, no penalty at all. Yeah, exactly. Right? Like, Sometimes that's it doesn't the, make sense. That's the fine line that we're talking yeah. about here. And when someone brings something like that up, I, I have to counter with that. Yes, no question. We're done? Yeah, Christian says, then I won't be watching, which we also got a lot of, too. People just saying they're going to be done with... Yeah, Christian, do you watch QMJHL hockey? Yeah, it's got a leaf. Uh, looks like a leaf. I just that, that in the profile yeah, picture. I, so. uh, I think it's a legitimate conversation, but I I understand that there are those that are unwilling to have that conversation, mm -hmm. regardless of whether or not it's legitimate or not. Yeah. And, and and to be honest with you, and I'm not saying Christian, you're one of those guys. People just don't understand the game. Mm -hmm. There are people who've never played the game. And someone wrote in, and I saw it, and I was just chuckling, like, this is someone who's never seen the game putting this into action. This keeps people in line. It's Enrico Ciccone. Mm -hmm. The guy played, like, 400 games in the show and fought the entire time. That's who's putting this in. Yeah. It's tough to argue with that. All right. Uh, we got a crazy finish. We'll do that after the break. Uh, one last one, then we'll get you set for tonight's action. Busy night when, a busy night on the network. Some basketball, a ton of hockey, a great sports night ahead. It's game time. Here at Tim and Friends. Of course, you know if you're a sports fan, March Madness is underway with the real round one today. 24 Canadian men in the tournament, 24, excuse me, 29 Canadian women in the tournament that gets going tomorrow. And boy, did we see some finishes today. We'll start with Princeton in Arizona. And as we know, 96 UCLA, Princeton has a history of upsets. Down one, Ryan Lomberg drives, gets it to go, and the 15 seed takes the lead in the two seed. Under 15 seconds now. Arizona down three. Courtney Ramey misses the three-pointer. They get another chance. Kirk Kisa also misses Princeton. Oh, my goodness. The two seed what? is now 138 and 11 all time. As the Tigers knock off the Wildcats. Got it, Gooden, since you understood that wasn't the only upset of the day, Jesse. Furman, Virginia, dying seconds. Furman down two. Madness. And that big Furman guy in your office has run down the hallway to tell you that his bracket's still alive. I had Furman all the way. Where's the school? Don't know, but I had Furman all the way. Jesse. But did Furman guy also have Princeton? That's Furman what like guy usually does have Princeton and also has six other brackets that he hasn't told you about as he screams and yells. 
I've got Furman. Uh, other scores from today. Uh, West Virginia, Maryland was a heavyweight belt. Uh, Maryland, two-point winners. Howard and the Canadian lose to Kansas, 96-68, while Missouri State moves, excuse me, Missouri beats Utah State. As for the rest, South Region, chaos. San Diego State moving on. You say chaos? Well, Arizona's gone, so now the whole bottom part of the bracket is. Yeah, it opens wide up. Go for it. We, we, we all know that it's changed, right? Like the four-year schools versus the schools that recruit the one or two and duns, mm -hmm. and being able to retain those players makes these upsets happen more often. And you just hope that the chalk that you go with yeah. lasts the entire tournament. Yeah, you're guessing. Everyone's guessing. Yeah, everyone. Uh, game day starts with Tim and friends, and we hope that you always join us before you start your night, even though there's been plenty of sports to watch all day long. Uh, plenty to choose from on the network, beginning on the ice, coming up just after the show. It is Hockey Central getting you ready for puck drop between the Penguins, otherwise known as Faceoff, and Rangers, 7 Eastern, 4 Pacific. At the same time, over on Sportsnet 1, we will have the Raptors pregame show ahead of tip-off, Thunder Raptors. Then at 9 Eastern, 7 Mountain, it is the Stars and the Oilers. You can watch that regionally on Sportsnet West. Nucks and Coyotes, Sportsnet Pacific, and our nightcap across the country. Big game for the Flames. A must-not-lose <laughs> in Vegas. You can watch that on Sportsnet East Ontario 360 and 1. So is it still a, a loss if you get the loser point? You can't lose. If you lose... No, they need two points. Need two points. All right, uh, let's go to the NBA first. And we've got a good one on the network tonight. Shea Gilgis Alexander and the OKC Thunder are in Toronto to take on the Toronto Raptors. You can watch that on Sportsnet 1 with the pregame set for 7 Eastern, 4 Pacific. Coming off a 1-4 road trip, Toronto grabbed a big win Tuesday over the Nuggets. The Raps ninth in the East, the Thunder ninth in the West. So lots to play for tonight. Do the Raptors need to make the play-in in your estimation and what happens if they do not? Yeah, it's real interesting to watch Raptor fans try and make the day-to-day -day really important when what's important is how good they are. Period. Mm -hmm. Because this is going to be an off-season of change for the Toronto Raptors if they're not good enough. And that road trip, I mean, I know the referees got in the way a little bit and I know they were frustrated and I know they but that, that was not I mean, we've seen this team put together some real good basketball. If you want to crunch the stats and find the numbers, you can find numbers that will tell you a lot about this team. But in the end, it's wins and losses that Messiah Jury, Bobby Webster, and the rest of that crew are going to be looking at to determine what they're going to do in this offseason. That includes Gary Trent Jr. They gave, they took away all the excuses with the deadline. May, maybe there's not enough shooting. Maybe there's not enough point guard depth or ball handling depth on this team. But that's what the rest of this season is about. How good are they and what are you going to do in the offseason? Yeah. The Gary Trent thing is, is big, too, because he's moved to the bench and he hasn't been good. He's shooting 39% from the field, 33% from three. So they got to figure that situation out. Uh, it is important to note that Ben Taylor will be officiating in tonight's game. We obviously know Ben Taylor, Fred Van Vliet, led to Fred Van Vliet's rant, which some may consider one of the great rants in sports history. Like, Ben Taylor's got to be on his best behavior tonight, right? Or does Fred Van Vliet have to be on his best behavior tonight? I, I think it's the referee needs to be on. I think every Raptor fan is going to be watching Ben Taylor. I mean, listen, we, we did the numbers. Guy's got eight texts this year in a Ben Taylor crew. Like, they don't do the games very often. 
He's got five of those eight tags. Like, it's obviously there is a beef between the player and the official. And Ben, I'm telling you, I'm surprised the NBA didn't step in after the first one. Like, if it was a, a bigger name, I guarantee you they would have stepped oh, in. Oh, you think so? Oh, yeah. Yeah, without a doubt. That's what happened with Tim Duncan and Joey Crawford. There's no chance that even if Fred gets teed up again tonight by Ben Taylor, there's no chance we get another rant. From Fred? Yeah. Nah, probably not. But I do think that the NBA needs to look a little bit closer at when an official and a specific player just seemingly can't get over hard, the hump. Yeah. Because that seems to be the case with these two. Yeah, definitely. I think it's the official that's got to be honest with us. Welcome back. All right, that does it for us, Kids Hockey Central. Carolyn Cameron, Justin Bourne, Sarah Nurse coming up next. Thank you for watching. We'll be back to wrap up our week tomorrow right here on Tim and Friends. And thank you. Right. I appreciate it. It feels good to be back. Kind of.